Hello and welcome to the Guru Is You podcast. I'm your host, Laura Wall. This podcast is all about people who found unconventional methods to heal themselves physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Their stories contain a little bit of mystery, maybe some magic, and even miracles. And they're here to inspire you to remember you are more than your body. You are more than your mind. You are the guru, and the guru is you. Today's guest is a wife, mother, and creative entrepreneur. She's the founder of Original EOB, a company that offers luxurious aromatherapy jewelry created from crystals and stones that offer healing benefits. Join me in welcoming my friend, Mona Signs. All right, Mona. I know that there was a moment in your life that was really critical and probably scary and probably intense because I have uh, known you a while and I've heard part of your story before. And I would love for you to share with your listeners today, what was that point that was like a turning point for you where you were like, I can't let this stand. I have to do something. I mean, it was rough. It was really tough. There was a turning point. The biggest turning point was when um, I had just been given my last rites. I was in ICU. Um, I have an autoimmune disease. So this was a surgery that was supposed to heal and make everything better. And it didn't. Um, I was just told. I was, I kind of heard, I was given my last rites. And the doctor said, we really can't do anything for her. And I was in and out. And I heard my doctor, who did not have rights in that hospital, she came in anyways. She walked in, grabbed my chart, and I heard her say, Mona, you are mind over matter. And she told everybody else, stop drugging her, stop testing on her, and let's see if she can pull out of this by letting her rest. And my husband was right by my side. He didn't let anybody tend to me without being right next to me. And he followed that exact lead. The nurses rallied around me. And that was my biggest turning point because I had realized in that moment, in a very unconscious moment um, in between, I realized that I had been relying on other people to solve this for me. And at that moment, it was time to take control or it was time to say goodbye. And it was tough. I had two babies at home. I had a five-year-old and a four-month-old. I had literally been in the hospital. I left my baby at three months old to go get a thyroidectomy thinking this would solve everything. And this did not solve um, the problem. And that was my realization where if I make it, we've got to do things differently. And so it took some time 
it took time. They just started electrolytes, a lot of, you know, praying, a lot of um, just really relying on taking back my power, resting, and slowly um, Eric was able to take me home. He was able to take me home and we said, we are going to do things differently. And that meant not just changing the obvious, the eating healthier or changing what you bring in. It was a lifestyle change. It was a complete lifestyle overhaul. We were both fully invested in our corporate careers, working 50 plus 60 plus hours a week because 40 plus was really not, even though that's what we were sold on, that was not the reality. Um, driving all the time. I, did the, I didn't realize the environmental impacts. And yes, I was predispositioned to an autoimmune disease. And yes, life is stressful. But on top of all of that, your lifestyle makes or breaks you. And we were chasing the lifestyle, the corporate, the... It got to the point where I I started calling it the golden handcuffs. Because I had visions and ideas But because we had chosen this lifestyle, I didn't see how I could transition or even have the time or the patience to really follow a passion or a dream of mine. I was already locked in. Mm. Wow. Let's pause right there for a moment because I think there's a lot of listeners out there that could really relate to that part of your story, even if they weren't at literally a life and death moment in the hospital, like you said. Uh, There's a lot of people that may be on that crux right now where they're like, I am trapped. I'm trapped in in this world. I'm trapped in this job. I'm, I'm confined by some of the financial decisions I've made. I have to stay with this company for a while. Um, But wow, you were really, um, what a cliffhanger to start off, to start us off with um, being in the hospital and, and literally being on the on the verge of death and having a doctor step in and advocate for you in such a unique way. Um, I'm delighted to hear that. Not that I'm against medical <laughs> intervention, but a lot of times you don't hear that part. And and then yet what I'm also hearing you say is you were at that critical point, and then when you got home you kind of started to look at what are we doing so that we can shift things around. Um, And I'd love to hear you go a little bit more into the before. What got you to that point in the hospital? What got you to the point of your autoimmune disease, putting you in that state other than this corporate lifestyle and the golden handcuffs? Tell me a little bit more about all of the, uh, the road that led you to that point. I realized that um, throughout my childhood and my adolescence, at certain growth spurts, I noticed that different changes would affect me in different ways. And I had gone through traditional medicine all my life. And so you hear a story of a doctor coming in and advocating for me at the very last. That took years to find as well, because 
you know, as little you go in, I would go in maybe because my stomach hurt or because the stress and it was always, and you go, and I went, I would go to specialized doctors and not saying anything bad about, I have to have a balance. I have to have a balance of Western medicine and Eastern medicine. It is just is what it is. I'm not here to down anybody in any, in any way. But in my case, anytime I went to a very specialized doctor, they would just look at that particular their specialty and they would disconnect Sorry. you from the rest of it. And so therefore it was very much, if it was your stomach, it would had to have been your gallbladder or your, you know what I, or your intestine, like nothing was connected to emotional support or none, none of that. So as I grew, I just always knew something was wrong, but it was always like, maybe it's just, I live a stressful life because they could never find anything wrong. Fast forward to when I'm already dying at 30 years old, my mom had Googled and started looking like all my symptoms over and over again, all this stuff. And it just, she came up with this doctor and she just said, look, I know we've tried many different things. Let's try one last thing. And I just said, I'll go one last time. And I, it is what it is. So I go and I meet this woman and she just looked at me and she said, you have Graves disease and we need to make sure we get you um, taken care of, but I'm not just going to drug you and we're going to go through all the steps. It's going to be painful, and um, but I'm going to stick by you. And that was life changing because yes, she does the blood work and practices, um, traditional met you know her medicine but yet she was giving me options and looking at me as a person as a complete person so she just said I'm not just going to look at your thyroid I'm going to look at your blood work I'm going to look at you from head to toe let's talk about some ailments what are you doing in your work so she looked at me as a complete person before we even ever went to get my thyroid taken taken out so at first she had already got me thinking like, we need to look at you as a whole. We need to see what's going on in your environment. So that's kind of how I started finally trusting and getting these ideas that, well, maybe what I'm doing and the lifestyle I'm living, it's not just me. So fast forward, I'm just already really busy with my job. I'm in the corporate world. I had ideas of what I would want to do, but Again, just completely stuck in what I knew and I loved. And I went to school for this and I really did. I am a type A personality, so I thrived in the corporate world. So I just thought maybe I was just too stressed out and I wasn't listening to myself. Bottom line is every cue that my body gave me, I would overwrite it. And that was just the lifestyle I was living. It was just no matter what I did, I was going to excel. I was going to perfect it. I was going to do my, my thing and the signals that kept on coming. And since I would go sometimes to the doctor and I would tell them, well, this is the kind of the problem. And they would just kind of like, well, I don't find anything. I don't see anything. I continue to ignore all the signals that were coming through. So as I would get older or as things would change or as I had a baby, I would have my bouts of thyroid flares flare up. I mean, when I went into the hospital and when I, I would tell, I would get home from work and I would tell Eric, like, I feel my heart is beating out of my chest. 
he would hug me, he would feel my heartbeat. And he did. And I tell him, I feel like I'm going to die. Like, I would literally just like say that, throw in it out, like my heart's racing. I wasn't running or doing anything crazy. I was literally having thyroid storms. And I was working through thyroid storms. I was working through like little mini heart attacks because I was just like, I'm too stressful. I need to make this happen. And I'm type A. And so we're just going to get things done. Like to the point where I ran my body into the ground and I was just like making it happen. This is how it's going to be the rest of my life. Like, well, no wonder like the motor like seriously gave out. Yes, I, I, I think a lot of people can relate because <clears throat> we are a caffeination nation, right? Uh, we live on a lot of, you know, coffee drinks. We live on a lot of deadlines. We live on the mindset of let's make it happen. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, teamwork makes the dream work. Like we've got to push, push, push. And when you get into yeah. that, you kind of get out of your body or in your mind. You're like thinking about all of those things. And it's really easy to shut down those signals. And that becomes kind of your new normal. Like all of these symptoms, it sounds like you were so used to them popping up. It's kind of like um, alerts on our phone. You know, like we'll put those little notices on the phone and then we just swipe them away. Like, yeah, yeah, I know I've got an appointment in 15 minutes, but that's all right. I can, I have time for one more cup of coffee or I can, I can run down the highway. Mm -hmm. Seriously. And your body was trying to talk to you. And at some points, it sounds like you did notice it, like you noticed it enough to stop and ask for help from your partner, you know, asking your spouse to hug you and validate like, this is a thing. This is really going on. So goodness. Well, a lot of symptoms there for the listeners who might not be familiar with Graves disease. Before we go on with your story, I'd love for you to just explain briefly what it is because they may not be familiar with it. So Graves disease is a thyroid condition. It's an autoimmune disease that affects your thyroid. So it can cause your thyroid to be overactive to the point where it like eating is not enough. Holding weight is not like, there's no way that you can hold on weight. And you're just kind of like running a marathon constantly. And so basically, my body was consuming itself. And I was just taking it to the max with the extra stress normally you're able to be able to catch that, balance it out before it ever gets to an extreme. But I was one of those rare cases where it was just an extreme. And by the time I was diagnosed and I went to the surgeon, the surgeon told me there is no way I can just remove your thyroid. We need to make sure that we treat you and calm the thyroid storms down before we actually either do a treatment. So it can affect you. And you can also, so your thyroid can be affected where it can Graves disease and it hyper, or you can have um, Hashimoto's and it's hypo, which means Hypo-thyroid your thyroid isn't working. Versus hypothyroidism. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're not getting enough, you know, thyroid, um, hormones and regulation. It's just Mm -hmm. very hard. And so now, so it's funny now because I had my, well, funny, not funny, but they removed my thyroid. And so now I have symptoms of hyper and hypo. 
So I have to balance it out. Bonus. You got both. And now I have both. So it's like, so yeah. So you go in and you think somebody's going to fix something for you. And basically you come out and you have to find a way to balance it out. So ultimately that's been my aha moment. Mm -hmm. And your journey. That's that's really where your your healing journey started was you finally were recognizing that this surgery was not the the magic bullet that you were looking for and take, take me through what you found that has, has helped you heal in your own way, which I know there's not just one thing. And, and I know healing is definitely a, an all your life thing, but I would love to hear. It's definitely been a balance this out. And yeah. You, absolutely. And how you dealt with um, the corporate uh, golden handcuffs. I know there's a lot of people that would like to learn what is that magic key? Where is it stored? How can I get a hold of one? Ah, that magic key. I mean, honestly, the magic key is within yourself and really giving you yourself the opportunity to be heard. Basically, you to hear yourself. Um, and I thought that I had that. I mean, I thought I was like, no. And and it, and it took like literally like, a restart and you know that surgery while I may not have fixed what it intended to fix it gave me a second chance at life it gave me a refresher it gave me the ability to pull my head out of my ass and <laughs> really really see what I had And what I was, you know, because I did have dreams and it was time to listen to those dreams if I was going to come home to my babies, you know, and show them a different way of life. Mm -hmm. This is what I love about talking to Mona. Mona is an amazingly spiritual, loving, giving person, but she also has some incredible straight talk. And And I love that. Here is this beautiful reframe. A lot of people could be like, oh, I almost died. Tragedy, victim. Oh, my goodness. But you saw and made your own reframe. And it sounds like your inner self gave you that tough talk like you, that tough love, like you give your family and your friends. I know you do. And said, okay, lady, pull your head out. (laughs) We've got another chance. Let's go. I mean, and the doctors did. I mean, it got to the point where it was like, we'll give you whatever you want to make yourself comfortable. Like it was at the point where it was like, Oh, give me all the drugs. Like, let me go cry in the corner. And this is going to be the way of life. So I left the golden handcuffs to go ahead and just crawl in a hole and die. I mean, that was just not going to cut it. Um, so, I mean, I cried for the first two years after the hospital. I, I, I cried. My life was, you know, when you're told time and time again, even being sick and trying to heal, I, the whole time I was like, when am I going to go back to work? When are y'all going to release me? And they were like, really? I mean, I, I even was trying at that moment to go back to my old life and time and time again, there were, and my doctor said, you're going to do every, all the progress, the fact that you came home, like you're going to do all of that. If you really choose to do things the same way you were doing them before. 
And so, like, it was not easy. I, it was very difficult. Um, How do you rebuild a life, you know, when, and, you know, my corporate job, they were very good, but it got to the point where it was like, okay, it's been a certain time. Can you come back the next day full time? And it was like, I, I can't, I was on disability for two years and they were great, but it was like, okay, well, time's a ticking. Your spreadsheets are waiting for you. Like, and I couldn't. So I literally had to take a step back and I literally had to really start. I didn't know what to do at first. I literally started going to, my daughter went to a Catholic school at the time. uh, And I literally would go to the church when I knew that on Fridays was church. And I would just go to the chapel in the back because I didn't need to hear any extra sermons or anything extra thing because, and I would literally cry in the chapel. Like I literally gave myself time. Like I literally sat with myself. That's hard. That is hard. That's really hard. And I, I think kind of like listening to what you're saying about your corporate, um, I don't want to use the word overlords because that seems severe, but <laughs> your corporate bosses, you know, I don't think that people have a concept of the healing process because we are in a, a fast food community, a fast food society that believes that if you get a surgery and take some pills and do some therapy and the doctor said in six weeks that you'll be done. We think then that we're done. And then we go back to normal. But that when you're really trying to heal something big, that it could really take a long time, especially if there's that conditioning, um, as I know there is, to those hormones of stress. You know, there's adrenaline. That's very addictive. That one's super fun. Dopamine. That one's super fun. Those are ones that feel super good in our body when we're charging through things but there's actually an addictive process and it takes a while to recondition ourselves. So as you were sitting and crying, I feel like you were just like wringing out all of the stress out of your body and giving yourself that time, even though others weren't. And in those moments, did you start to see or hear or understand that there was something else that you were meant to do or what was, what were you choosing to to deal with? It was kind of coming more in inward, right? And so listening to more of what I needed. So um, fast food, you said it was very easy for me to just pick up food all the time. So that was one thing I, I learned to start doing is if I wanted something, pizza, if I wanted hamburgers or something, I would start making it for myself. I started looking at the ingredients putting stuff together and just slowly um, baking a couple. I mean, Eric, I know it sounds sounds simple to people, but nourishing yourself from the perspective of I is really the greatest act of self-love I can think of in an adulthood too. It's like, I know what I like. I know how to cook. I know what's good for me. I'm going to do what's good for me. That's, that's there's so much discipline and yet love there to be able to take that time and to do it for yourself. So I wouldn't just, I can tell by what you're telling me. It's like, I just was trying to eat right. That's I a mean, hard that's thing the to thing do. Like, <laughs> well, and that's the thing is that when I was 
crying and I was very upset. And this is the one thing I tell people that I love very much because when people go through a hard time, when people are going through losses, they say, I don't know how to help. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And what I tell them is honestly, I don't either, but I send food. When my friends or when somebody's going through the hardest times, I don't shy away from bringing it up and I send food. Like if there's nothing I can do for you is here. Like, let me bring you a salad. Let me feed you because that was honestly the hardest thing I could do for myself. Like literally when you're sitting there crying in tears, you don't know what to do. And people are asking you, what can I do for you? And you're looking at them like, can you think for me a little bit something? Nobody knows. Like, so my default is like a good, like, let's start with basics. Let's start with a little sunshine. I mean, we are just, we've gotten so far away from how healing, and that's what I started finding how to sit in the sun and enjoy the rays a little bit. Of course, yes, my sunscreen and yes, not overdoing it to get like that full bronze tan. But you know what I mean? Just when you have, you're in a deep, dark place, getting some sunshine on your face is very underestimated. And that's what I found is when I was very sick and the doctors kept saying, just give her supplements. And one of the nurses, she was a traveling nurse, and she said, no, she, I'm sure she would really enjoy being out in the sun. Well, she's hooked up to all these machines. I don't care. I'll make sure that she's still hooked up and whatever. So she brings her little cart. She puts all her stuff, all my machines that were on a cart. She brought me some sunglasses. Girl, I am dying. But she put me, like, she put these fabulous designer glasses on me. She put a little blanket. She rolled me out into the sun, gave me five minutes in the sun. I still went back. I went looking for that traveling nurse to give her a hug because she doesn't know that that those five minutes were the most precious thing in a healing journey for me. Like she took me back to the basics. I could never find her and I pray. I mean, still to this day, I pray for her. I Sounds just like a little angel. <laughs> like there's earth angels if you just give it a chance. And so that's where I felt like that's my message. Through my mess, let me continue being real and just sharing and just acknowledging that there is tragedy and travesty, but let's laugh and let's kind of get through it together because if not, you just crumble up and die in the corner. Like it's not going to happen, not on my watch. And so that's where my healing, and you know, you're talking to me you know, nine years in, right? So you're seeing already where I've already kind of been crying, you know, like there's been time, there's been stuff. Um, But yeah, I just, it really goes basics. And when you're caught in the corporate world and you are in those golden handcuffs, it's looking for those three to five minutes for yourself in the sunlight, in the quiet, but we don't even take those five minutes for ourselves. Like we literally roll our eyes. And some of my best friends are still in the corporate world. And I went back to doing real estate stuff because that's just my thing. But I do things on my terms now, not on somebody else's terms. 
So it took me years to go back into something, but I always thrived in a structured, that kind of environment. But at the same time, I have given my creative um, outlet a voice. So another thing that you've told me what has helped me find my peace and my grind, you know, my peace in my life, it's... um, with that creative outlet is using healing stones and essential oils. I found beauty in earth, you know, you know, these stones were given to us and, you know, we've created, you know, it's all energy. Right. And so you start finding. So when I would find myself in locked away in the corporate world, doing a lot of my corporate stuff, I found that these gifts, these essential oils and healing stones would connect me to the earth long enough for me to get back out there into the sun or give me some life. And it took me, you know, in my healing journey started using, I started using essential oils to really find peace. And then I would forget them. I would leave my home and I'd be like, and so then I'd find myself in a stressful situation and I have no tools around me, nothing to connect me to myself and to what I know is my true authentic self. Right. And so then I'd find myself acting like a hot mess express again. And so I, you know, time and time again, I had learned about essential oils and um, healing stones and, you know, it sounds very easy to say, I just put together, a, I designed a line, but um, we created original EOB and it is a jewelry line made specifically for essential oils. So now I'm able to have my healing stones. I'm able to have my sen- essential oils on at all times to kind of, to give me that balance when I'm out in the real world. Quote, I see. So as you left the hospital, you started these basic practices that we kind of forget because we're in the hustle mindset, right? We're going so fast. We stop, we forget to stop and check in with our bodies and check in with our minds and slow down to enjoy sunlight on our face, which I do agree has amazing properties when used in you know the right dosage. And then you started to realize that your creative expression had been kind of hidden because you were working for someone else and really you had a problem and you were trying to create a solution for yourself. You found some things that kind of helped you feel grounded and safe with the oils and healing stones and yet you would run off and leave them. (laughs) And so being the brilliant businesswoman you are, you're like, well, how can I put these on my body because they don't seem to want to stay in my purse (laughs) and began creating these jewelry pieces for yourself and your friends. And I remember meeting you several years ago when you just started and you were telling the story. And so, and your, your line has grown and things have changed. And I know you've learned a lot. So I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit more just in general about what, what happens when someone puts on a healing stone? Do they feel magic? Do they feel vibration? Do they feel electricity? What happens when they use them with some oils? Um, and like, maybe, you know, some of the sciencey nerdy stuff about how it affects our nervous system, how it affects us, um, at a a very physiological level to be able to facilitate what you're saying, which was you were trying to combat the level of stress 
that you were experiencing out in the world and you were using these to quite literally ground you. So tell us more about healing stones and sciencey stuff. So it's not like I decided to just pick up some stones and pick up some oils and put it together in magic, right? I would love for it to have just come like that. What it see what had happened was what uh, happened was what happened was is as I was as I grew up, um, my grandma would travel a lot, and and some and I w- I got to go on a, quite a, a lot of those trips. But she would always collect different stones from different countries, or she would bring all of us the matching bracelets with the little, the little art piece from whatever country and just stuff, right? And so as time passed, she would bring me a strand of something, just like here's a strand. And I had all of these strands and I had all of these stones collected. And what people didn't know is that sometimes I would hand strand some of my pieces or I would take apart some jewelry to see how different designers, I was always curious why designers charged what they charged on some pieces. So there was sometimes where I would take apart some jewelry pieces and I would see about putting them together. And that was just my thing, like on the side. Never thought. So you've been doing research anyway. since childhood. Yes. From childhood. I got gotcha. you. No, but I was. I never in the I never realized I never realized that it was research, right? And so when all of this happened and I was told, look, you're retire you have to retire from the corporate world. You're never gonna go back. And I started dabbling in health and wellness and you know, working, you know, selling products. I started a small business. Um and I went on a trip. I won a trip on a cruise and I've had forgotten all of my stones. I and all of my essential oils on this trip. And I thought, no big deal. It's only two or three days. I'll be back. Well, by the time I was coming back, I was seriously stressed. I was having all sorts of issues. And it was in November. So I kept thinking, I came back and I thought, I thought, there has to be a line, a jewelry line, something that I can research and buy where I can have my essential oils on me at all times. And um, maybe I'll buy Christmas presents. And so I started looking, but I never found anything consistent. I only saw maybe like one or two lines on Etsy or something cute, but nothing that if I found something, I could rebuy it for a friend. And so then I thought, let me see what I had. So I started pulling out all of the stones that my grandmother had given me and that I had collected and all of this feeling and emotion. Mm just by touching these stones that was my because before I thought they were just beautiful and I just thought they were more visual more decorative cute and then when I was taking out these stones and I knew where these stones were from and I started doing my research and learning that a lot of stones are uh, heat treated and dyed and I realized that all the stones that I had were legit. And so then I just like crying on the kitchen table. I was like, I've got to make this happen. And I told, and Eric's like, sure, you know, I support you. And because everybody had already seen what I had gone through. So it was like, if she's actually doing something, then just let her. Like, and I'm over here like, <laughs> I'm going to do it. 
and then I was like, oh, and I'm I stringing up macaroni and yeah. I'm making you a beautiful necklace. Marketing. And so I just started putting like, and I didn't want anybody to know that I had just done all of this. So I just like literally sat there and just let it happen, I guess. It really took my ego out of it. Ego has a way of doing a number on you and my ego, ego talks like, shit let's just say it ego talks just, shit I all mean, the time ego can <laughs> ruin a situation so it was just literally and a good necklace seriously and so i got and so then it was the feeling that i was having and all through all of this i just kept thinking to myself i cannot be the only one going through this there's no way that i'm the only one going through this so so if I'm doing this, I have to do this for me. And that's where it was like, my mess is my message. That kept coming through. My mess is my message. Like, don't hide. Don't not share. Don't not. Because I be most of the time, I don't. I don't share. I don't. And so that, it was time. It was time to start really being authentically myself, to stop apologizing for always being myself, to stop dimming my light for other people. Like it was just time. And growing and working on myself because that's the only way that I saw a way out. And so what I know a little bit about uh, the thyroid um, I trained as a nutrition coach a long time ago, but what I remember about the thyroid is it's a regulator and it's tied into regulating a lot of hormones that run along in our body that can make us feel nice and chill and happy or can make us feel super revved up. And how do the, and so what you're telling me was with post-surgery, you were having both kinds of symptoms of hypothyroidism and hyperthyroidism. So sometimes you would fill up and sometimes you would fill down, back and forth. So these stones you're saying, these healing stones, what type of um, effects would they have on you for you to wear them on your body or to wear them on your neck as a bracelet or a necklace? It's more because it carries the oils. So I was able to have my... All of the jewelry pieces have lava beads. So the lava bead acts kind of like a sponge and holds the oils. So what I found is that when I would put the oils directly on me and I would leave, it would help me in that moment. But then three hours later, I was out of them. And if I didn't have my oils, I didn't have anything on me. So the stones would facilitate carrying them and having them for longer periods of time. So the stones will actually hold the oils. And as you move, your body heat releases the oils that are trapped in the bracelet. So when I would find myself in a stressful situation, I could just kind of activate them a little bit and I would be able sure. to have them on me. So now the healing stones, they each have different properties depending on where they're from. Science sure. does I know, you can't get into all of them because I know you have so many in your lines really beautiful and people find connection with birthstones that's i can really tie it to a birthstone as you feel connection to your stone and as you feel connection so it goes hand in hand with the properties of those oils i can wear some lemon or some lavender if i want to calm down 
if I need some energy, or if it's going to be really hot during the day, and I want to regulate my temperature, I can put some peppermint on and it'll cool me down. So I'm not just throwing random things. I really just live in little basic lemon, lavender and peppermint. I really feel that if you start with lemon, lavender and peppermint, it's not overwhelming. You can learn the properties of some good essential oils and then learn the difference because then that was my next question when people started introducing me to essential oils and to stones is why is one essential oil $1 and why is the the same exact oil in another company, you know, $15 and quality really rings true. True. And true. I usually tell people, do you buy the top shelf liquor or do you buy the bottom shelf liquor? That's the difference exactly. with the oils too, the distillation process. And so it's really educating um, yourself and starting taking back, uh, just taking for granted that, oh, this isn't a store. I'm just going to buy it. It's safe for me. That's not the case. It's starting to kind of look behind the label is read a little bit more, ask more questions. It's okay to ask questions. And so what I'm hearing with your jewelry, though, part of what people are really tapping into is they're connecting with the piece on some level. It could be an emotional level like, oh, I knew someone that had this type of bracelet before and I love the colors or, oh, I really need to calm down or I need to be more calm at work. And here's something that will I can wear that's beautiful and I can put a particular essential oil that helps calm me on it. Or maybe it was something else. Um, I know all the stones have different vibrational patterns. There's a yeah. lot of sciencey stuff out there that people can Google about Labradorite or about pearls or about, um, I know you use, uh, I'm trying to think of a stone. It's black and it's grounding. I know how light. Obsidian. Yes, we use obsidian. obsidian. We use mm-hmm. Labradorite. We definitely use certain stones, but really it's a piece that can be handed down. There are pieces, um, quality pieces that have warranties. Uh, I really made, the design was really for me and the women around me that I knew and come to find out it just did not turn out to be an age thing. I had little ones that absolutely love their bracelets. They go to school. I have moms buying it for their little ones because it helps them put a little lavender oil and send them off to school or some, you know, when the sniffles, they go home or they have the sniffles, you can put a little bit of eucalyptus and the little ones gravitate, you know, and I know that some people need to use medication. That's fine. But at least if you can balance, find a balance. And that's all we're looking for is to kind of live more of a balanced life, live, learn to listen to yourself, your home, your family, um, whatever that means for you. Uh, because that's the main thing that I've learned through this healing journey is that I didn't give myself and what my body was telling me a fair shot at first. So now that you've been through all of these changes from the corporate world to near death, to disability, to this, this business that you've created to not only serve yourself, but serve others. And you look at that whole process. How do you define healing? Knowing the life is not going to be perfect and there is not one way to heal. 
but giving yourself a fair shot to live your best life, whatever that may mean. For me, my best life was not returning to what I was doing, but to find a way to modify what I was doing on my terms. When I was only doing my creative business and my creative piece, I found that the type A in me started stifling that. I wanted to shut off that corporate piece too. So when I went through my healing journey, I also went the other route. And I found that that wasn't, I needed to find a middle ground. In the corporate world, I was known as Monica. And when I started my healing journey, I was, I've, no, I've been known as Mona. And when I would hear or somebody call me Monica, like I would cringe. But that was who I was too. I had to find a way to be able to love Monica and Mona to be able to be available to my tribe and my family. And so it's really giving grace and knowing that there's not an end to this healing process. And that's what I tell my besties all the time, because sometimes we hit a roadblock and then we fall into our patterns. And I, and bottom line is, is you're going to trip, but how can you pull yourself up faster? You know, you, 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 you find tools along the way that will help. Like you've created for yourself. So if there's someone out there right now and maybe they're struggling with some sort of issue, you know, mind or body or spirit or, you know, of their heart, um, maybe it's not exactly the path that you were walking, but they just can't seem to resolve it. What would you, what would you say to one of those besties? What would you say to them to encourage them? Take a step back and get quiet. Listen to yourself. Take that moment to face yourself. Because sometimes we keep ourselves busy so we don't have to face what our own self is telling or trying to convey. It's really taking a hard look in the mirror. And that's tough, but so worth it. If you have come this far, I want to thank you so much for the gift of your attention. To hear more amazing healing stories, please subscribe. This podcast has been brought to you by the Hearts of Healing Center. It's a nonprofit organization dedicated to bringing more light, love, healing, and hope by freely offering holistic healing services to our local and global community. To learn more about us and to see more details from today's episode, be sure to check out the show notes. And don't forget, you are more than your body. You are more than your mind. You are the guru. And the guru is you.